And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, February the 21st, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on February 21, 1975, former Attorney General John Mitchell, former White House aides H.R. Haldeman, and uh, John Ehrlichman were sentenced to two and a half years in prison for their roles in the Watergate cover-up. They ended up serving, I think it was about a year and a half, Today in 1613, Mikhail Romanov, 16-year-old kid, was unanimously chosen by Russia's National Assembly to be the Tsar of Russia. That began a dynasty that lasted 300 years. Can you imagine that kid with all that power at 16 years old? Today in 1862... Nathaniel Gordon became the first and the only American slave trader to be executed under the U.S. Privacy Law of 1820. He was hanged in New York. And today in 1878, the world's first telephone book. Remember those telephone books that we used to get before iPhones took over? Well, the first one was published in New Haven, Connecticut. It had 50 names and telephone numbers in it. Today, in 1945, during World War II, the Battle of Iwo Jima, I mentioned yesterday that it began on yesterday's date. It continued today. And today, the escort carrier USS Bismarck Sea was sunk by kamikazes. 318 men were lost. Americans. Today, in 1885, the Washington um, Monument was dedicated in Washington, D.C. Today, in 1964, the first shipment of U.S. wheat bought by the Soviet Union, it arrived in the port of Odessa. And today, in 1965, black Muslim leader, civil rights activist Malcolm X, remember him? He was 39 years old. He was shot to death inside Harlem's Audubon Ballroom. New York uh, assassins identified as members of the Nation of Islam Three of them were convicted of murder and imprisoned. All were eventually paroled. So Malcolm X was a black Muslim leader who was shot and killed by other Muslim. I don't know. Today in 1995, Chicago adventurer Steve Fawcett, he became the first person to fly solo across the Pacific Ocean on a balloon. (laughs) He must have. He, he had too much time on his hands. I I, I tell you. Today in 2018, Reverend Billy Graham, the most widely heard Christian evangelist in history, he died at his North Carolina home. You certainly will remember this. We all do. He was 99 years old. Died today, two years ago. It's amazing. Well, Bernie Sanders is probably laughing all the way to the bank. Bolshevik Bernie, some people are calling him this morning. Yeah, that's probably not far off. The New York Times broke the story. Headlines read, Intelligence officials warned House lawmakers last week that Russia was interfering in the 2020 campaign to try to get President Trump reelected. We've heard this for three years. Now they're back to this, and the New York Times featured it in a headline. We've seen this pathetic story, this movie, before. 
But the Democrats can't let go of it, and the media can't let go of it. Trump colluded with Russia to win the election. And that has been so debunked, there is no evidence of that. I'll tell you, Russia has has strived, I mean, by all accounts, there, there isn't any accounts that are different than the fact that Russia has strived to interfere with American elections since the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917, the rise of the Soviet communists, they've been in. They've tried to bring down all of the Western uh, cultures, but particularly America. The only thing about this interference that's different is that it has been and it remains one of the main tools for the left to undermine Trump's presidency. They don't like him. They hate him, and for the most part, and and beyond that, they don't like what he stands for, and they make try to make the case that he doesn't believe some of these things. He's not really pro-life. He's not really this or that. Well, God knows his heart, but those of us who are halfway common sense, we can see what he's doing. He's standing for life. He's standing for traditional values. He's taking action as a president on the things that are the most important to biblical Christians, not religious left who bend and twist scriptures to meet their lifestyle and affirm their lifestyle. Pete Buttigieg is the most famous one at the moment, but there are others, many of them. I'm not talking about them, but I'm talking about people who try to serve the Lord and try to read the Bible and try to live according to God's word and God's plan for their lives. Not perfectly, but imperfectly, but with a desire to be godly, to live a righteous life before the Lord. And when we sin, we ask him to forgive us. I'm talking about evangelical biblical Christians. We know what he's doing, the president. We see him taking actions that others, even George W. Bush, he he declared and probably is born again. He said he's a Christian, he's a born again Christian, he's an evangelical and, and on, so on, and I supported him. But he didn't take the kinds of actions on our behalf that this president has done. And most of us see this. And that's what's really behind this. But they, Russia's been involved, I mean, Trump is just the latest president in a long line. It's a matter of how the press handles it. It's not really about an existential threat, as they like to say. It isn't that at all. The irony is the leftists and the left media, I mean, it's really propaganda. They're just trying to back the communist hope that Trump is defeated, not that he wins. Does anybody remember back when Ted Kennedy? Ted Kennedy, I checked this out. Ted Kennedy requested Soviet interference to help defeat Ronald Reagan in the 1984 election. It's on the record. The New York Times doesn't seem to remember that, or they certainly don't want to publish it. It's a very inconvenient story for the left. Today's news, the New York Times is following the same template back in 2017. The Times says in their story, the intelligence community community issued an assessment 
in early 2017 that President Vladimir Putin personally ordered a campaign of influence in the previous year election, that would be 2016, and developed a clear preference for President-elect Trump. Of course they're using this. Uh, Putin can sit in Russia and he can have his minions put out a, a few posts on social media, whatever, and he can get all, he can get more play in the press in America than he could possibly buy any other way. He knows that. He's just playing the press. Trump has been, by all accounts, Trump has been pretty tough on Russia throughout his presidency. I'm not just trying to defend the president. I'm trying to defend the truth. Moscow generally interferes in a way that supports the expected loser in order to undermine the eventual winner. Given that everyone thought Clinton was going to win in 2016, that the the left, the Russians, with the obvious choice of backing Trump. I mean, that was their message. Their objective succeeded beyond Putin's wildest dreams. Putin never, ever imagined that he would be able to push a few buttons and get America's press on this thing that has gone for three years and an impeachment. Russian collusion. And there wasn't any. I'll tell you. Well, get ready. One other thing on that issue, and then I'll move on, but Barack Obama's administration was well aware of Russian efforts to interfere. Clear through 2016. Yet Obama and his deep staters, they didn't do anything to stop it, in part because it was so ineffectual, but primarily because they didn't want to taint Clinton's supposed certain inevitable victory. Only when Trump shocked the world by winning did Obama's gang decide to turn this crisis into an opportunity, as they always do. Saul Alinsky taught them to do that, and to undermine the incoming president with the Russian collusion hoax. That's what's going on here. So no wonder there are people out there today calling <laughs> calling Bernie Sanders Bolshevik Bernie. I doubt that he had anything to do with this, but I can promise you he's smiling wherever he is as he picked up his New York Times today. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Peter reminds us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I want to talk to you just for a couple of minutes about a great, great spiritual war that's taking place across our nation, and around the world. Over the coming weeks, millions of us will fill out our tax forms if we haven't already, send in money if we haven't had enough withheld. It's tax time. It's coming up about a month and a half now, a little more. What most of us may not know when we do that is that a part of the taxes we're paying to our government is going to fund abortion training 
for doctors. Not abortions per se, but funding to help teach them, prepare them, train them to be abortionists. I don't know about you, but when I discovered that truth and checked it out, and I'm certain it, it's a fact, it was shocking to me. There are several people who know that, and they've been talking about it lately. Unfortunately, not enough people are listening to them, but I wanted to spend a couple of minutes making you aware of that today. Cheryl Sullenberger is one of them, Sullinger. She's with Operation Rescue. She says the abortion industry has struggled for years with not having enough doctors available to terminate preborn children to do abortions. And I can understand why, because there is a lot has been said and done in this regard, and some doctors don't think it's worth the effort, even though there is a lot of money in it, a lot. She said, this is why the Bixby Center for Global Reproductive Health in San Francisco was set up. The Bixby Center was created to train new abortionists, she says, in order to keep the killing crisis clinics open and to promote not only so-called women's choice, that's also known as women's reproductive health care, but to support population control. Population control is what was at the heart of Margaret Sanger, who was the founder of Planned Parenthood. She wrote extensively about that. I've talked about it a number of times on this program, and I think the first couple of times I mentioned it, I got comments from a lot of people saying, I didn't know that. No, because... Planned Parenthood, they put her name out there. They give a Margaret Sanger Award every year to the person who's done the most to advance abortion. But they certainly don't talk about what she really believed. They hide that. But she was, she believed in in eugenicy. She believed in kind of paring out society of the unproductive or unacceptable people. She particularly targeted blacks. That's why most, most, not all, but most Planned Parenthood abortion centers are in black communities and black neighborhoods. I mean, that really is the basis for Planned Parenthood. So Sullinger says the organization depends on taxpayers to meet their budget. She says some of the funding is, and she provides a a backup to this resource, Some of the funding is provided by the government, state and federal governments of the United States. Taxpayers are actually paying for these programs that target Americans for depopulation. She said she was shocked when she began to find this out. And as I said, Margaret Sanger was the leader of the eugenics movement. She advocated population control based on individual value. And she didn't like blacks. And so she targeted them. Sullinger says the the Ryan program has provided freshly trained young abortionists for many abortuaries throughout the country, including Planned Parenthood facilities in New York City, St. Louis, Missouri, as well as preterm in Cleveland, Ohio. And she says all three have dismal records of injuring abortion patients, more than the normal abortion clinic. She said they are serious enough to send them to the hospital emergency rooms and post-abortion patient deaths have resulted. An abortionist was posting recently on social media, on Twitter, and I I saw that, I read it a couple of times because I thought, man, this kid, I mean, 
there's something more to this, but there wasn't. He's a family physician who specializes in abortion. Last week, he tweeted this, quote, Abortion doctor. Every single day I see patients who I've seen before for abortion services, but end up with another undesired pregnancy. When they come back, they are often quite embarrassed to be in that position again and are worried we might be judging them. We don't. He continued on a follow-up tweet, I mean, right following up to it because he needed more space. The doctor continued, In fact, as a family physician who does exclusively abortion work now, it makes my day to see a familiar face. Those of us who do this work understand that this can happen to anyone, anytime, and we take it as a huge compliment if you trust us with your care again makes his day to see a woman getting her second or third or fourth abortion. That's how perverted this industry is. As you can imagine, pro-life people saw that on Twitter and they were responding to it. There was a whole bunch of response. One person tweeted, I remember years ago my dad, a Catholic father of eight, said he feared abortion would eventually be used as a form of birth control. He was right. And it is. I mean, it's the next thing to take it a pill. That's how far we've come, and that is the essence of a spiritual warfare that is going on in our nation, in our world, within the human race. Social media lit up with similar kinds of pro-life comments. It isn't as though the majority of people in America think abortion is fine, that it makes their day when they find that a woman is having her second abortion or whatever. Not at all. Most Americans are real uncomfortable with abortion. And many of us stand solidly opposed to it. I mean, fight to the death to save the lives of the unborn. One person wrote on on the media, hello to the anti-abortion side, of, or the doctor, in fact, came back. It was the doctor himself. After he got all these pro-life comments, he he comes back and he said this. It kind of a, I don't know, I guess he wasn't prepared for that. I guess they live in a bubble and they just think everybody agrees with them. But anyway, he posted, hello to the anti-abortion side of Twitter. I make no apologies for caring for people in difficult situations with as much compassion as I can. Your collective blaming of people in, in this situation is exactly the problem I'm referring to. But you're, he's not responding with as much compassion as he can unless he's very limited with compassion because he's killing babies to give mothers the release from the responsibility. But it isn't just the doctors. It isn't just Planned Parenthood, unfortunately. Lawmakers across this country, mostly Democrat. And again, this is not a political talk that I'm doing here. But it's mostly Democrats. There are Republicans that go along with it. There are people who are church members that I know that go along with it. They say, well, it's, it's horrible. It shouldn't happen. But a woman shouldn't, should have that right. No, she shouldn't. God says, thou shalt not kill. 
No woman has that right. No man has that right. No doctor has that right. Unless we move God out of the picture. And that's where the conflict comes from. We are in this war today. We have always been in this war. That's what the cross was about. That's what the resurrection was about. It is a spiritual warfare on many fronts, but particularly on life itself. Jesus Christ said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And yet these people have brought to a place of honor and compassion the killing of babies under the guise of women's health care or reproductive health care. Dear God, help us. How we have how we have deceived ourselves and others. I mentioned this in passing when it happened. It happened last week, but boy, it bears repeating. In the Virginia House of Delegates, the state of Virginia, last week, Democrats started walking out during the prayer. This local pastor, I don't know him. His name is Robert Grant Jr. He's a black pastor, but he's well-known around there. He delivered an invocation, and he was, in his prayer to God, he was urging those in the assembly there to protect the unborn and to uphold biblical, traditional marriage. Well, that made the progressive, so-called, very nervous. Pastor Gray said, or Grant said, he said, I'm quoting his part of his prayer here. He said, I pray that you pray to God. He said, I pray that you may understand that all life is precious and unworthy of a chance to be born. Praying to God, talking to the audience. And God is giver of life, and people have no right or authority to take life. The unborn has rights. Those rights need to be protected. They should never be denied the right to exist, the right to develop, or the right to have a family. The pastor continued. His prayer was six minutes long. (laughs) It's a long prayer. He continued. In his prayer, the word of God has given us a warning. Woe to anyone who harms an innocent child. Every one of you sitting here today can guarantee these rights to these little innocent children of Virginia. Please do not ignore their little voices. I pray for a heart change today. Well, as you can imagine, with a bunch of people sold out to abortion sitting in those seats in the assembly of Virginia, they got nervous. They got up during his prayer and started walking out of the chamber. A lot of them did. So the, the House Speaker, who is also a Democrat, a progressive, so-called, she gaveled the prayer to a close and began citing the Pledge of Allegiance to drown out the prayer. Well, he was praying to Almighty God to preserve life and to do a work in the hearts of these people sitting there, here's the House Speaker saying, I pledge allegiance to the flag. I mean, they've never been so patriotic. That's what the war looks like. That's what we're dealing with today. And this morning, CBS News is reporting, Mississippi, these are their words, CBS, Mississippi's controversial fetal heartbeat ban. An effective six-week ban on abortion was just struck down by a federal judge. Uh, The law firm confirmed that represents them confirmed last night. 
A three-judge panel of the 5th District issued its decision Thursday, yesterday afternoon, writing, quote, All agree that cardiac activity can be detected well before the fetus is viable. That dooms the law. If a ban on abortion after 15 weeks is unconstitutional, then it follows that a ban on abortion at any earlier stage of pregnancy is also unconstitutional. Other bills, CBS goes on with a whole bunch of other stuff, and then they say four other states, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, and Ohio, passed their own so-called fetal heartbeat bills, while Missouri put forward an ominous anti-abortion bill that includes an eight-week ban on abortion. In Alabama, CBS says, Governor Kay Ivey signed into law the most restrictive anti-abortion bill of all, a near-total ban on the procedure with no exceptions for rape or incest. CBS ends their story this morning with this, all have been blocked by federal judges from going into effect. I sense some glee in their reporting. They are reporting this as though righteousness or goodness has prevailed over these evil people who are trying to deny a woman her rights to abortion because that's what they believe. And that comes through loud and clear in their reporting. They don't have to say the words, but the nuance, the tone, the sense of their reporting reflects that. That was a victory in the minds of the secularist. So they can kill more babies more often without interference from people who believe the Bible, lawmakers included, and try to live by the teaching and the precepts of God's Word. That's that's what we face today in our world. And that's why we do what we do every day on this program. If we can change one mind, if we can encourage one heart to keep doing the right thing, doing what God has called you to do, I believe, I believe that is what God would have us to do. So thank you so much for your support of what we do. We're running behind this month in our budget. I need your help. Not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm just telling you, we need your help. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I know that some of you know we don't spend a lot of time fundraising on this program, and we won't. As long as God provides, we'll be able to continue. So thank you in advance. I was reading from Psalm, <clears throat> excuse me, the Psalms this morning. Psalm 144.1. I just, my eyes fell on this. I'll leave it with you today. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. We're in a battle. We're in a war. It's about right and wrong, good and evil. Be firm. Be steadfast. Be faithful. Be informed. Be vigilant. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday.